Olympics 2018. I almost forgot what year it was, to be honest. I almost said 2016. But they're here. This is the last week. I did not realize this, but this is the last week of the Olympics. It's about to be over from here. So if you haven't been watching, don't worry. It's not too late. Make sure you turn on your TV, watch it. But just to update you guys a little bit, if you were in here in the beginning, make sure you always get here early because you never know what we're going to do. We got a fantastic uh, little update on the Olympics from Kale and Zach. But I just want to update you on our Olympic count. I have to be honest, though, I'm a little disappointed. The U.S. of A. is not leading the world right now. Norway, I don't even know where, where is Norway? Like, where is that country? In Europe somewhere? I don't know. But Norway is crushing right now. But the good old U.S. of A., we're in like fifth or sixth place. We've got six golds, four silvers, six bronze. And I feel like that number is going to increase, right? Over the, we got a week to bring it home. We can do it. The U.S. of A. is going to be Olympic champions. Wow, no one cares. No one cares. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you in the back. Thank you. One person cares. Thank you. But I'm so glad that you guys are here. It is so impressive to me that you guys take time out of your schedule to come to church in the middle of the week. And I firmly believe that this is a place where life change happens. And that happens because you invite your friends. So I want to encourage you in that and thank you for being here. And I trust that the Lord's going to do that tonight. We're going to be in John chapter 3 tonight. The very, we kind of we took a weird little break because we have Valentine's. Anybody have a good Valentine's Day? Anybody have a hot date? Come and tell me about it afterwards. I'd love to hear your story. If anybody had a terrible Valentine's Day, I want to hear it. So I, maybe I'll use that sometime from the stage. You never know. I'll use your story. But the very first week we talked about to become the light, you have to know the light. And the light is Jesus Christ. And tonight we're going to be talking about we become the light when we follow the light. So we're going to be in John 3. Let's read this together. Verse 19 through 21. It says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here tonight. And Father, I pray that as we unpack your word that you would use me to teach your truth tonight. Father, empty me of myself, fill me with your spirit. God, we thank you for what you're going to teach us tonight. We love you and we praise you. In your holy and precious name, I pray. Amen. A little background here. This is John 3, okay? And Nicodemus, this guy who's a Pharisee, he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, or like in the evening, and he asks him, he starts asking him these questions, okay? So this Pharisee guy, this guy who's supposed to be like super holy and know everything, who doesn't really believe that Jesus is the one true son of God, he's coming to him, okay? And they start talking about the gospel. And Jesus literally starts telling him, this is exactly what you have to do to be born again, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So we're gonna, be pick, we're gonna pick up in verse 19, like I said. It says, this is the verdict. This is it. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness 
instead of light because their deeds were evil. As we unpack this passage, there's gonna be two types of people here, the lover of darkness and the lover of light. But what we're gonna see is that both of their deeds, both of their lifestyles are gonna be exposed by the light. The lover of darkness says that, man, that light came into the world, which we studied a couple weeks ago. That light was Jesus Christ. He brought the gospel into the world. And it says that the lover of darkness, he ran. He ran and hid. He covered himself up. Tried to get away from the light. When I thought of this, I thought of um, that moment in the morning. If your mommy still wakes you up, be honest. Raise your hand. Just get it out there. It's okay. It's all right. One day, you too will We'll become an adult and wake yourself up. Okay, set your alarms, people. Wake yourselves up, all right? But I remember, and this would make me so angry, when your mom comes in or your dad or whoever you live with and you're not getting out of the bed and they flip the lights on, that is the worst, right? And what do we do? I pull the covers over my face because I'm hiding from the light, right? We, the light sometimes, it burns your eyes. It's uncomfortable. And that is why the lover of darkness runs and hides. Because the light is uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever committed a crime before, but the majority of crimes, right, they happen at night. Hopefully you haven't. Okay, let's be real though. We all mess up. It's okay, there's forgiveness in Jesus. But when people steal stuff or do something terrible that will put them in prison, the majority of those things happen at night. Why? Because you can hide in the darkness. When we were growing up, we played manhunt a lot, which was so fun. It's basically like sardines. If you don't know what sardines is, you have not lived, okay? You need to play manhunt. You, you hide in the neighborhood, and then people try and find you with a flashlight. It's so much fun. But I loved that game because I was really good at it. And we never played in, in the daylight because it's so much easier to hide in the darkness. See, when there's darkness, that creates a covering and that creates a place to hide. See, the lover of darkness has no interest in pleasing God. He chooses his own will instead. See, God made a distinction. We talked about this the very first week, that God made a distinction between the light and the darkness, and he called the light good and the darkness represents sin, represents the evil things that take place in our lives, the things that we don't want anybody to know about, that we struggle with, that we do, like the things that we try to keep hidden. The light makes a distinction, and when the light shines, here's what happens. It exposes the darkness. And when that happens... It brings knowledge into our lives. Right? If you were to walk into my room and the lights are off, you would think I have the cleanest room in the world, right? Because I'm just a clean person, right? But if you turn the light on, then you have knowledge to what a disaster my bed is, right? There's clothes all over the floor, like my closet's open, there's clothes spilling out of that, my bed's not made. You can ask Erin, my room is not very clean. She judges me for it all the time. But the light, when it comes into our lives, it brings knowledge. It shows us the sin that we have in our lives. And because of that, the label of lover of darkness is so accurate because when we know our sin, when the light has been shown on our lives, we deliberately choose the darkness. When I was little, 
I've already told you this, but you all apparently know now I'm not a very clean person. I try to. If you came to my house right now, you'd be like, wow, I'm pretty impressed. Your house is clean. I clean my house every Friday after work. That's what I do. But when I was growing up, um, and my parents throw me under the bus for this all the time, but anytime we would start cleaning, like, the playroom or anything, I would just, like, silently disappear. That was what I was known for. That was what I was good at. I just, you know, sneak out, like, skirt, I'm gone, all right? And when I was little, one time my dad sent one of my chores was cleaning my room. And so I went to clean my room, and on the way back, my dad asked what shape my room was in. And I just said square and kept walking. (laughs) Because the night before, I was laying in bed looking at my ceiling. My ceiling's square. What shape is my room? It's a square, okay? But what he meant is if my room was clean, because he had sent me there with a task to do. And what I did, being the smart kid that I was, I always try to get around it, right? There's always a loophole in every situation. I just would throw everything into my closet, shut the door, it's clean, right? Because if you looked at it, all you could see was the cleanness of my room. But what hid in the darkness was all of the mess that I just closed the door and forgot about. I can't tell you how many times I got in trouble for doing that. But this passage tells us that there's two different people, a lover of darkness and a lover of light. But I would go further and say that there's even different lovers of darkness. Nicodemus, when he came to Jesus, he came at night. And I don't think that they put that in there on accident. I think what that's telling us is that Nicodemus, he was nervous of judgment. He was fearful that if the other Pharisees knew he was coming to talk to Jesus, like he was going to get judged. Right, and the same thing is true of our lives. We know that Jesus is God's son and we know that he's the savior of the world, but sometimes we still walk around and hide because we fear people more than we fear God. But if we walk in the, and when we step into the light, that shows exactly who we love, exactly who we care about. Do we fear God more or do we fear man more? Nicodemus, he feared man more and what they would say about him. But no matter who steps into the light, whether you know Jesus or not, both of our lives are exposed. Verse 20, it says, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. The light hurts sometimes. I already told you, man, when they flip on the light in the morning, that hurts your eyes, right? When you go to a movie in the middle of the day, probably you don't go to the movie in the middle of the day because you're in school, but on a Saturday, I enjoy going to the movie. I got my popcorn. I got my snacks. My, if, you, if you want to buy me candy, um, my favorite candy right now is uh, Airhead Extreme Bites. That's where it's at. I got my Diet Coke where I go to the movie, and then you come out, and it's literally daylight, and it burns your eyes, right? It hurts. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't see. I'm going to go blind. The light hurts sometimes. When you go to the eye doctor, they like shine that thing in your, light, in your eyes. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't see. It's painful. But here's, here's why. Here's why light makes us uncomfortable. Because everything the light touches, it exposes. And when the light shines on our lives, a lot of the time that shows us our guilt and our shame and our anguish and our embarrassment for the things that we have done that don't please God. So what we do 
with those things in the darkness is we just cling to them. Right? We just ignore them. We try and hide them away. Like those things in my closet when I was little, right? If they're in the closet, out of sight, out of mind. If I can't see those sins, they don't happen. If, it, if nobody knows about those sins, they don't really happen. If nobody knows what I do late on my phone at night, that doesn't really happen. If no one knows what I do in the locker room before school, that doesn't really happen. Only certain people can see what I post on my fences, so it's okay. God doesn't see that stuff. It's okay. Only these people see it. But the reality is that when Christ came into the world and his light shined on everything, it shines on everything in your life and in my life, and everything is exposed before God. Good and bad. Pleasing and displeasing. When the light comes into our lives, when we allow it, when we swing open the door and we say, all right, Jesus, come on in. Here's the junk that's going on in my life. What happens is Christ brings conviction and convinces us of our sins. If you want to be convicted about your sin, read the Bible. Humility, people think humility all the time is like a lessening of yourself. No, humility is a right understanding, a right view of yourself in comparison to Christ. When I compare myself to Christ, eh, right? Even if I compare myself to some Christians, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I am not a Christian. I am a terrible person. When we compare ourselves to Christ, when we have a clear understanding of who we are in comparison to him, that shows us who we are. That brings conviction in our lives. When we let the light in, God shows us our character. Some of you have heard this story before, but when I was a, before I worked here, I interned at another church, and one of the guys I was interning in, I, interning with, I had like a super crush on him, right? He was so cute. He had the flippy hair and everything back when that was the thing, back when Justin Bieber was like a big deal. Um, anyway, we were at this camp, and he dared me to jump over this caution tape. Never jump over caution tape. Like, hello, dumb mistake number one. That tape is there for a reason. So I jump over it. I'm wearing flip-flops, okay? I made the jump, all right? I was proud of myself, okay? But then, because of my unprepared footwear, I blame it on the flip-flops. Never wear flip-flops again. I fell, and I slid down a hill of gravel and wound up with third-degree burns on my leg. And this was the very first day of camp, okay? Like, day one, and I'm out, like for the week, okay? And so I, I'm like gone, I'm, we're gonna have to like lead this game, like scavenger hunt or something. I'm like, yeah, I'm cool, like, yeah, we're good. Just put a little Band-Aid on there, we're good. And then later that night, thankfully, we had a trauma nurse with us, and she was like, let me look at your leg. And she pulled off the Band-Aid, and she was like, oh my gosh, like this is bad. There's like chunks of rock in there, like a little tree branch sticking out, like it was nasty. And then every night, we would go through this process where she would put gauze on my leg and then pull it off every single night, exposing the new skin and the new flesh and would rip off, literally rip off the dirt and the debris that was in my leg. And even though it was painful, and even though I sweated and like cried like I have never done before, if she didn't do that, there would be no healing in my life. If she didn't do that, that junk, the rocks and the debris and the twig in my leg would still be there. 
But in order to have healing in my leg, she had to expose the new flesh. She had to expose the new skin that was being made new. See, when we allow light, Christ to come into our lives and to shine the light on everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, what happens is he takes that and makes us a new creation. But in order to do that, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes the light hurts. Sometimes it gets real, right? But if we never let the light in, that healing process will never begin. See, I, we, when we step into a relationship with Christ, we not only have to step into the light. Catch this, students. Write this down if you're taking notes. You not only have to step into the light, but we have to stay in the light. You not only have to trust him and say, okay, God, I'm in with you. I'm going to live for you. Guess what? You got to do that tomorrow too and the next day and the next day and the next day. And say, hey, God, keep showing me. Where am I messed up? Where am I sinful? God, show me. Search my heart, oh God. Show me where I'm not like you. Are our lives in a position where we not only stand in the light, but we stay in the light and are following him? The last person it talks about in this passage is, is the lover of light. In verse 21 it says, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. It says if we love the light, which we learned week one is Christ, if we love Christ, then we delight in truth, meaning that we welcome truth into our lives. Meaning that we want people to tell us like, hey, this is not Christ-like. We want to go to church. We want to read the Bible. We want to have friends that encourage us to do those things. If we love the light, then we delight in truth. So when we step into a relationship with Jesus, we trade a lie for truth. See, the lies that we are told in the darkness is that we're not good enough God can't use you because of your past. You're never gonna amount to anything. And what happens when we step into the light, the truth of Christ is washed over your life and my life and we are told that we are valuable, that we have a purpose, that God wants to use us, that he's made us a new creation, is going, going to continue to transform us, that we've been freed from our sin and that he's going to use us to share the hope that we have in Jesus. When we step into a relationship with Jesus Christ and follow him in the light, that truth becomes your identity. That truth becomes who you are. You now, when Christ looks at you, he doesn't see the darkness that you once lived in. He sees Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I want to have people in my life who tell me the truth. Right? In college, if I got dressed in the darkness because my roommates were sleeping, I didn't want to wake them up. Like, someone please tell me, like, I hope I have a friend who's good enough, who loves me enough to be like, hey, Mel Meredith, you're looking jank. Like, you need to go fix your face. Right? I welcome the truth. I want to know when my outfit doesn't match or when I'm looking like a fool. Like, someone please tell me. I want to welcome the truth. When we want to walk in the light, we welcome the truth into our lives, no matter how bad it hurts, because we want to be like Christ. And when the light shines on our lives, 
when people look at us, when the moment comes, if we're following him, then our deeds, our actions, the things we say, the things we think, the things we do, are gonna point to Christ. See, the lover of life, of, of light, is not afraid or fearful when people look at them or judge them because they know with everything that they have, they're doing their best to be like Christ because God has given them a new identity because he's made them a new creation. Our lives, when we walk in the light, when we follow the light, are a living example of the power and the life that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like I said, I hope you've been watching the Olympics, but Olympic athletes are people who live in the light. Like everything they say, everything they do, people are focused on them. And somebody that I've been following because her story is so crazy is Lindsey Vaughn. If you don't know anything about her, she's like one of the oldest Olympic athletes who's ever done alpine skiing. And she was in the Olympics back in 2010, but then suffered some like major injuries that like I cannot even imagine having to go through. Like she tore her knee, she's broken bones, like torn cartilage, she has nerve damage. And I want you to see her comeback story to the 2018 Olympics. She's just a girl and she's on fire. Hey, Lindsay. Hi, Dad. Hotter than a fantasy. Lonely like the She's living in a world and it's on fire. Filled with catastrophe. But she knows she can fly away. Lindsay Vaughn rockets into the fencing. if you saw, you can clap for that, yeah. It's exciting. I don't know if you saw this last night. If you missed it, Lindsey Vaughn became one of the oldest people to ever medal in a competition. Because of her hard work, when the, when the light was shined on her life, when the moment came, when everything that she'd been training for for these past eight years, when the moment came, she was ready and became an Olympic champion. See, when she came into the light, no one saw how broken she had been or how messed up she'd been. What they saw was the effort and the hard work that she put in to win that Olympic medal. And my question for us tonight, as the people in the room, myself included, is when the light shines on our lives, what is exposed? people look at you when the light shines are you following the light or are you hiding in the darkness are you living all out for Jesus and saying God search my heart show me any way that is not of you are you in content closing the door and leaving everything in the closet that's hidden only you can answer that question only I can answer that question for myself 
we can only follow the light if we know the light. And I love that right before these verses that we just studied, in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world. He didn't send Jesus to separate you from him. He didn't send Jesus so that you couldn't have a relationship with him. He sent Christ to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son, which is Jesus Christ. If you believe in Christ, that he's God's one and only son, and confess that he is Lord, you're saved. And I know there's someone in the room tonight who is walking around in darkness, that you're struggling with this sin that you just can't get free of. And my invitation to you tonight, God is asking you, he's begging you, come to the light, come to me. I will take those things and make you brand new. Come to me. So I want to invite you to do that tonight with no one looking around.